Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Market View. I'm Elliot Danker together with Chua Tian Tian. Uh, coming up, uh, is this a sign that we are back to pre-pandemic travel volume? Well, we'll take a look at uh, the passenger numbers of Singapore Airlines and Scoot for the month of April. But first, Tian Tian, a recap of how we started the day. Right. Singapore shares started the day higher. The Straits Times Index was up 0.2% in early trade to 3,219 points, and nearly 45 million, 44.8 to be precise. Million shares changed hands in the broader market early on. Now, off to the closing numbers, the STI uh, closed down 0.02%, so the gains were wiped off at uh, 3,214 points. In terms of value turnover, we are looking at 895 million Sing dollars. Now, gainers trode losers 255 versus 277. Top advances for today Jardin Psycho and Carriage, Semcom Industries, and SD Engineering, and top decline. Hong Kong Land USD, Great Eastern and Venture Corp. Now in terms of companies to watch for today, uh, Elliot, you mentioned uh, aviation, yeah, right? Yeah, travel have, volume, right? Yes, we have Singapore Airlines. Mm. And speaking of travel volumes, the flag carrier and its budget arm Scoot uh, flew close to 2.7 million passengers in April this year. Okay, uh, That is an 85.5% increase from the same month a year ago when uh, borders in Singapore were fully reopened for the first time mm. since the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, elsewhere, investors continue to monitor a slew of corporate developments from Elon Musk's uh, X making its first acquisition to Warren Buffett closing his position on Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, also Alibaba's investment in Taobao Shopping App. So let's break down all these movements with uh, David Poe, Head of Investment and ESG Strategies, South Asia at Amandi. David, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. And David, maybe let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Well, as you mentioned, it's a pretty flat, 0.2% up and then closing down relatively flat. So there's really nothing to shout about. All right, David, let's take a look at some of the bigger yeah. movers. Uh, shares of OUE Healthcare rose as much as 46% during the morning trading session. All this on the back of news of its new hospital commissioning in Changshu in eastern China's Jiangsu province. Uh, was that within your expectations? Well, any positive news should have a positive impact to the share price. Sometimes this could be a knee-jerk reaction and uh, the devil is still in the details. But however, looking at the healthcare as a whole, we are positive on the long-term uh, aspect of this industry. Healthcare is definitely uh, in short supply in China. If you look at the demographics, it is still uh, it still have a very huge uh, population base, even though it's no longer the number one most populous country in the world. But the population base, the aging population, as well as the ability to pay for uh, 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 increased demand for healthcare. So long-term wise, it is definitely very positive if one were to go into into this sector, uh, just purely based on the demographics. Uh, Competition-wise, there's really not much of a competition because you're facing with with very few hospitals, mainly from the uh, Chinese government. Uh, On a broader scale, Mm-hmm. On a broader scale, uh, we have Thailand. Singapore, for example, has done very well in terms of its health care, both from the private as well as the public sector. And mm-hmm. you have Malaysia is also trying to do the same thing. And Thailand is very well known to uh, for a lot of foreign guests visiting 
Thailand just for healthcare uh, services. Mm. So in, in this team, uh, long term for this particular sector in healthcare as a whole, we are very positive. Right. Looking up indeed. Mm. And let's zoom in on some of the companies to watch, David. We do have Singapore Airlines right. because the flag mm-hmm. carrier and its budget arms could flew close to 2.7 million passengers in April this year. Uh, that's on a year-on-year basis, right? Uh, what can we expect when the company announces its results? Uh, you're right in the sense that uh, when the borders reopen, this sector as a whole should do relatively well. Uh, the top line will do very well because a lot of revenge traveling. As you said, uh, passenger volume has gone up. Everybody is this hyped up demand to travel overseas. So top line wise, uh, passenger volume should increase. And a lot of capacity that was taken out uh, during the pandemic years have not been put back into the system. So you have sudden surge in demand and yet capacity has not caught up. And therefore, that, that led to a rising uh rise in airfares. So it's a very good uh, top-line growth for the sector as a whole. That's only in the short term, right? But uh, if you look more on the medium term, uh, once you bear in mind that we are heading more into a global economy slowing down. And if that's the case, uh, passenger volume may not be sustainable as it is over the past one year. So fares should naturally come down. This is one aspect of the airlines, right? Mm. Uh, some airlines don't just don't just get, get generate their revenue on passenger volume. Some of them has got fifty percent exposure to cargo. Some of them has got twenty percent exposure to cargo, mm. and cargo volume as well as cargo yield has not been uh, doing that well over the past one year. And we don't think cargo yield or mm. cargo volume will do well in this coming year as well. So one has to bear in mind that. On the one side, passenger volume, passenger airfares is doing well from now, maybe to first half of the year, or maybe towards the end of the year. But the cargo side is still a drag on the whole entire uh, sector. Right, and David, I do want to correct myself because this piece of news just mm. out uh, minutes ago, and that's the fact that uh, Singapore Airlines' net profit was up by 32.7% to $1.2 billion mm-hmm. for the second half of the year ended March. With the new numbers that we are seeing right now, do you think that uh, FS are going to moderate going forward and it's going to be a little bit of dampening demand? Uh, the way I see the industry, because of the hype-up demand since uh, the borders reopened in April, especially in China when they re- reopened their borders in December, mm-hmm. and pandemic has more or less been, uh, uh, there's no longer, the COVID is no longer a pandemic issue. Uh there's this hype up demand over the short term, but in the medium term, maybe the quarter of this year, or maybe heading to next year, when the global economy slows down, you will see that uh, the volume as well as the price may soften a bit uh, into into the next year. All right, David, let's uh, take a look at some headlines around the world, yeah. starting off with Morgan Stanley reportedly considering a 7% cut in its APAC investment banking workforce, with China taking the biggest hit. Uh, what do you think is the road ahead for the investment banking sector here in Asia? Uh, the investment banking industry as a whole is a very cyclical industry. Um, okay. When markets are doing very well, they start to hire a lot more bankers to do a lot of corporate deals. Mm. So as we head into uh, uh, global economy, when it's slowing down, corporate deals are, have definitely slowed down since the pandemic. Uh, you see a lot of uh, banks trying to contain their costs. So it's very natural. However, I wouldn't say that this applies to everything that happens 
uh, in one company will affect the whole entire sector in Asia. Uh, okay. There are obviously a lot of uh, pockets of opportunities. Let me name maybe three. Uh. One is uh, the wealth management. Mm. The wealth management part is still doing very well. A lot of high net worth, ultra high net worth, trying to find ways to really uh, protect their uh, protect their wealth or as well as to grow their wealth for their subsequent generations. Uh, second one is on the REIT sector, for example. Uh, lately, you see a lot of uh, Singapore REITs coming to the market. Uh, they're trying to reduce down the debt. They are trying to acquire some of the assets as well as to have some working capital on standby. So these are some of the corporate deals. And the third part is uh, fixed income. Uh, because of ESG, uh, there's a lot of demand for green bonds, sustainable linked bonds, so a lot of issuance on the fixed income side. By the way, Amundi is uh, very positive on the investment grade, uh, high-quality fixed income uh, mm. arena in this space, uh, in fixed income. Mm. So Amundi continues to uh, like this uh, sector as a whole. So okay. there are pockets of opportunities in, in Asia. Mm. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Poe, Head of Investment and ESG Strategies, South Asia at Amandi. Well, David, let's stay in Asia. Alibaba says it'll make huge investments in its Taobao shopping app to a ward of competition from social media platforms. Any thoughts on that and how is competition within the e-commerce sphere in China like right now? Actually, competition is almost very rampant in any sector in any parts of China. Yeah. It's not just e-commerce. If, sure. if you look at the, exactly, you look at the, the retail space, the financial services, uh, the manufacturing sector, you look at textiles, even cars, right? A lot of EV cars are slashing their prices in order to, to increase their sales. So it's not just, uh, the competition is not just all solely on e-commerce, but all, it's almost every sector in China. Uh, partly because uh, lately the exports number has been very slow and a lot of uh, Chinese uh, companies have to rely and tap on the, the domestic market for their, to sustain their, their growth as well as their uh, company. So it is uh, very rampant, uh, so much so that it's almost every sector. It's not just uh, focused on uh, e-commerce. Okay. And David, in the meantime, let's talk about Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Uh, the company drew mixed bets from top investors in the first quarter. Uh, notably, Warren Buffett closed out his position, but hedge funds, yeah. uh, Tiger Global Management, and etc., they added new bets. So do you think the worst is over hmm. for TSMC? Well, um, I, I would want to say that uh, one person's meat is another person's poison. So uh, okay. when Warren Buffett, when Warren Buffett closed down, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Or when, mm. when uh, Tiger or, or the other company increases a stake in this company, it means that it's good. Uh, every investor has their, got their own strategy, their own mm. opinions and their views. Uh, every investor has got their own risk appetite and uh, duration, right? How long are their, their time horizon for investments? So each one has got their own consideration. So we cannot conclude that uh, one is doing this and one is doing that. Therefore, the, the company or the sector has reached its bottom or reached its peak. But on the fundamental basis, uh, uh, because the is into um, manufacturing of the chips, uh, if you look at the downstream, uh, the the PCs, the notebooks, the handphones, the NAND flash, uh, these are still not recovering. The demand, the end demand for this uh, hardware is still not picking up. 
So it will naturally affect the 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 suppliers of this uh, uh, hardware uh, uh, as well mm. as the accessories. On the other hand, uh, leading edge technology, uh, three nanometer, five nanometer, it is something that not everyone can go into. So there's still a niche there. Uh, the demand for AI chips, for e- uh, electric vehicles, for car automation is still a very uh, growing sector. So there's a bit of a mixed picture. So mm. depending on which part of your supply chain you're in, uh, mm. if you're in the laptop, you're in the PCs, or you're in the handphone, then naturally the growth sector there is a bit uh, is not doing that well. Mm. But on the AI side, on the EV side, electric vehicles, uh, car automation, then that is a sector that is still doing relatively well. Mm, so it really depends which side you are on and where your port, which sector your portfolio companies are in as well, right? And uh, so, David, finally, one quick one before we let you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's very, very quickly talk about the U.S. debt ceiling. Republican House Speaker Kevin right. McCarthy, he warned yesterday that staff-level meetings were not productive at all. They were nowhere close to reaching a conclusion. Are we going to reach an agreement at the yeah. end of the day? Oh, it, it happened in, uh, what, 12 years ago, 2011, right? There's another debt ceiling, and guess what? The U.S. surprised the market again with an uh, 11th-hour agreement. So I think they will probably do the same thing uh, until the 1st of June. We'll hear nothing until the 1st of June, maybe 30th, 30th of May, they'll come up with something, and they put a <laughs> rabbit out of the hat. So it happens, and I think it will continue to happen again. So some they private keep their investors on the toes all the time. Yeah, some private phone calls going on behind the scenes while we are talking about this, lah. <laughs> I think so. Okay. So that's that. Yeah. Thanks a lot, David. That was David Poe, head of investment and ESG strategies, South Asia at Amandi. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.